Good morning. Why? Why? How many of you have ever asked God why? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you were told you're not supposed to ask God why? And you did anyway. Yeah. We all ask God why. Now let me ask you a question. Are you happy with the results you've been getting in answering that question? I have to be honest now. None of us are batting a thousand getting God to answer the question, why? And we keep asking, why? Why, God? And we usually ask it in difficult situations. Why, God? And we ask it when painful circumstances interject themselves into our life. That was going so good. And then, why? Why? It happens when conflict occurs in relationship. Why did that relationship go south, God? Why did it just turn from my best friend to someone that just can't stand to be around me? Why? It usually happens when our comfort zone is invaded by an intruder or an intrusion. We've all got these comfort zones that we operate in and we we like keeping them intact and we like keeping up the perimeter wall to guard our comfort zone and, and, and it's difficult to get us out of our comfort zone and we sure don't want nobody invading our comfort zone and it disturbs my comfort. I'm going, why? God, why? It happens sometimes when someone does something to us that we don't think we deserve. We didn't deserve for them to badmouth me like that. I didn't deserve for them to cheat me like that or to go behind my back and talk about me. I didn't deserve that, God. Why? We usually ask it when anything happens in our life that we can't figure it out or fix it. Why? Things just happen sometimes and we go, why? This doesn't make any sense. Why? I've tried so hard to fix this relationship. I've tried so hard to fix this circumstance. I've tried to go back and and fix that action that took place there and it doesn't seem to get any better. Why, God? usually happen with something we just can't explain. Thus the why. If we could explain it, we wouldn't need a why. Now here's my question. How often does God stop what's going on in heaven, give his undivided attention to you, 
and explain why. Huh? How often does that happen? God goes, huh, she's got a why. Let's just hold on, angels. Let's go down there and satisfy her why. Let's go down there and answer that why, because we want them to be able to understand and know why. Well, if you're like me, it's not very often. My whys just don't seem to phase God. And I could draw one of two conclusions at least, one of two conclusions about that. The first conclusion would be God just don't care. He's not the least bit interested in telling me why. He is God. He does whatever he wants. He sits in the heavens. He does as he pleases. And he's just not the least bit concerned about me knowing why. That's one posture I could take. Or there's another posture I could take, and that's this. He has already explained it, and I've missed it. He's already told me why. But what I want to do this morning is two things. One is I want to answer why once and for all. Okay? So you never, ever have to ask why again. Are you willing to see that? Well, I don't know. I kind of like asking why. Well, you keep asking why. It's not, you can ask God anything. I'm not telling you don't ask God why. I'm just telling you there's a better way. I want to do two things. I want to answer for you once and for all why. Second of all, I want to give you a question to ask that God is eager to answer. He doesn't seem to be too eager to answer my why. I want to give you a question that you can ask that God is thrilled to answer for us. He is thrilled to give us the answer to this question. But first of all, Let's look at the why. Here's the ultimate answer to why. Look with me in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And we're going to start in verse 38. We're going to eventually go back before it. But we're going to to get to the, the simple answer to why. Verse 28. And we know that God causes all things. Now, if you stop there you're going to be real confused. Let me make it clear to you. God doesn't cause all things. Somebody said there are three categories of why things happen. There's God, there's the devil, and there's stupid. Sometimes I think things just happen because we're stupid. Can't blame God, can't blame the devil. But that's not what he said. He said, we know that God causes all things to work together for good. Now, that's a strong, broad declaration that God causes all things to work together for good. 
can you think of anything that falls outside of the venue of all things? Do you have the exception? Oh, I, well, you know, here's what I want you to do. Just for a second, I want you to apply that to your life. God causes all things to work together for good. Now put your thing in there. What thing are you experiencing right now? You don't know why, you don't know how, you don't know what the end's going to look like, and you've had a struggle with it. It's been painful, it's been difficult. Maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a circumstance, maybe whatever it is. I want you to take that and I want you to apply that into this all things and declare God takes this and works it to good. Can you do that? God takes this thing that happened to me. That doesn't mean that the thing that happened to me was what God wanted to happen, okay? It doesn't mean that everything that happens is God's will. There are things that happen outside of God's will. But God is big enough and strong enough and wise enough and powerful enough and loving enough to take even those things that are outside of his will that happen to us and work them to good. That's what he says. So take your situation. What is your situation? Man, this thing happened to me. This thing, uh, this, this came into my life, and it's been frustrating, and I'm so angry about it. I, I don't know why. Okay, here's why. Here's why that's in your life. We know that God causes all things to work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. What's his purpose? He goes on and tells us. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That is why. That is the ultimate why. Why does this happen to me? Because God can take that and work that to good, and in working that to good, it will conform me to the image of his son. It'll make me look like Jesus. It'll make me be an expression of Jesus. He can take all of it. He does take all of it, and he works it to good. What good comes out of this? I can be conformed to the image of Jesus. I don't have to ask, why is this happening? Here's why it's happening, to conform you to the image of Jesus, to make you like Christ to bring the glory of God that's in you out of you. Remember the question, what do you get when you squeeze a lemon? Well, you get lemonade. No, you get whatever's in the lemon. If there's lemonade in there, you get lemon. If there's orange in there, you get orange. You get whatever's in there. What do we get when we squeeze you? Do we get grumbling, complaining, griping, irritation, back talking? What do we get? Or do we get Jesus? God's objective is to take everything that happens in our life, work it together to good, and the end result will be when I get squeezed, Jesus comes out. 
because he's conforming me to the image of his son. Put your situation in there, whatever it is. Now, for some, that's not sufficient. Yeah, knowing that God's going to conform me to the image of Jesus, that's great, but right now I need some relief. Right now, I want an explanation that will satisfy my finite perspective. For most people, our perspective stops right here. How does it affect me? What's it going to be in it for me? How's it going to take my comfort zone? What's it going to be? That's where our perspective ends. And we don't have God's perspective. We're not content with heaven's perspective. And here's God's purpose, to conform me to the image of his son. That's God's purpose. That's what he's wanting to do. That's the why. Ephesians 1.18, we've, we've read this before. Somebody read it the other day. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. There is a glory of God inside of us he wants us to be aware of and realize through our life. That's his objective. Heaven's perspective is that God's purpose in every situation is to reveal to us the glory of God, which in turn transforms me into the image of God. Right? God's purpose in every situation is to reveal the glory of God, who he is, what he's like, God desires that we have a greater revelation of himself. Anybody here know everything there is to know about God? Well, thank you for being honest. None of us do. Well, how does God reveal himself to us? He reveals himself through everything we go through. He has a desire to reveal an expression of himself in every situation. And as I behold that situation, I am changed into the image of Christ. So here's a better question. Here's the question you can ask. What do you want to be to me in this situation? Instead of asking why, we know why. Why is God wants to reveal his glory and in turn conform me to the image of his son? So what's my question? What do you want to be to me in this situation? What do you want to show me of yourself in this situation? Every circumstance, well, if you can ever catch this, every circumstance, every need, every lack, Every want, every struggle, every suffering comes with the potential of a fresh revelation of who God is. Every circumstance, there is the potential for a fresh revelation, for me to see God in a way that's real, 
not just something I know in my head, but to experience the reality. For some of us, that's happened in, in, in the revelation of God's love for us. We know John 3.16, God loves, love the world, gave all. Oh, no, all those verses. But somewhere along the line, we had a revelation where God's love became experiential, and it changed my life. For some of it was God's care for us. Somewhere in these situations, God revealed himself to us in that, and it changed our heart. It changed our life. What does 2 Corinthians 3.18 says? As we behold his glory, he changes us from glory to glory. So when I'm in this circumstance, and he reveals an expression of himself to me, and I behold that, it changes who I am. See, there are many facets of God's nature. Many of us, many of those facets will never be realized as long as our comfort zone is king. As long as we never venture outside of our comfort zone, as long as we never venture into the unknown, the unknown makes us comfortable, uncomfortable. I just want to know. No, you don't want to know. You want to fix it after you know it. I want it to stop after I know it. And many people don't want a revelation of God's character. They want magic. They want those words that will change this thing in the name of Jesus and it's going to change it. Plead the blood of Jesus and it's going to change it. There's been no revelation of that. It's just, let's use that word. Let's try that word to change this thing. There's been no quickening of the spirit that that's what he's revealing to us now. Children of Israel were rebelling against the Lord and the prophets were coming and saying, Hey, it's you only going to be in captivity for a real short while. Not going to be a big deal. Don't even plant corn. Don't even give relationship. Don't even do nothing. Everything's going to be fine. It's going to be a quick fix, and then all is going to be well with us, and we're going to go back to Israel. God comes to Jeremiah, and he says, that ain't me. That ain't me. They're going to be there a long time. In fact, I'm telling them to go there, plant crops, build relationships, marry there, and grow up and do everything they can to make their captors successful. Because it's going to be a while. Some of us don't want a revelation of God. We don't want a greater, greater We just want this circumstance fixed. Do something about it, God, and change it. Please remove it. That's usually our first phrase. And in doing so, we miss a revelation of God's creation. Now, let me tell you something here. The greatness of our suffering will diminish when the glory of God that is deposited in us is revealed. Let me say that again. The greatness of our suffering, the, the, the pain, the discomfort, 
the, the, the conflict that we're experiencing in this circumstance, okay, will diminish the moment we see the revelation, a revelation of the glory of God that's deposited inside of us. Look in Romans uh, 8, verse 19, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us, to us. Now, we think that that's confined to, well, you know, whenever we're raptured or whenever we go to heaven. Anytime the glory of God is revealed to us, our suffering is diminished because that revelation gives me something to hope in. It gives me something to trust in. It gives me something to relate to, someone to relate to. And all of a sudden, the circumstance doesn't matter because I've had a revelation of him. We've been talking about Job. I've heard several people comment about Job. I want you to understand this about Job. Job never knew why. He never, ever found out why he lost his family, why he lost his possessions, why he lost everything he had. He never found out why. But there came a point where he had a revelation of God and why didn't matter. God revealed himself to him. John 1 says, talking about Jesus, we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was filled with that glory of God, with those expressions of God. Now listen, the glory of God that was in Christ and manifested through Christ is in you and wants to be manifested in and through you to where you look just like Jesus. What does God use for that? Everything. Oh, he's going to use that worship concert. Yeah, he might. But he also might use you getting dumped. Well, he's going to use that sermon, that tape, that conference. He might. But he's more likely to use the arguments you had with your husband or with your wife. He uses it all. He uses everything. God allows us to go through situations. I'm going to show you this in Scripture in a minute. God allows us to go through situations that we are helpless to do anything about, okay? In order for us to discover that we're helpless to do anything about anything. Second Corinthians chapter 1, we talked about this yesterday in part of the songwriter's retreat that we had. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. Paul talks about the suffering that he was going through. And he says, for we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction, which came to us in Asia. We were burdened excessively beyond our strength. 
so that we despaired even of life. We thought we were going to die. Anybody ever feel like that? Die would be a relief. Paul says, we went through that. And he says, indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises from the dead. Here was a revelation that Paul got from being in a situation that he couldn't do anything about for God to quicken him and let him know you can't do anything about anything. You got to trust me to bring him to an end of his effort, to bring him. Do, do you have circumstances in your life? Have you ever had circumstances in our life <clears throat> that you thought were insurmountable, that you just couldn't ever do anything about? That's right. There was a purpose for that. Part of that was to let you know that you can't do anything about anything. You're going to have to trust God. There was that revelation of who he was. Through the circumstances, I will discover a fresh revelation of who God is. Listen to this verse in verse 5. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. Here's the comfort. Here's the, here's the affliction. Here's a 10. Okay, how would you gauge this to you? You know, you go to the doctor, what's your pain level? I always tell them it's like a nine. I like the drugs. I mean, you know, what's your pain level? What's, what's the level of this affliction here? Oh, it's a 10. In abundance, God says, the comfort in your abundance is a 12. It will exceed the conflict, and the suffering. And he gives us a revelation of his comfort. Look what he says. I want to read it again. Just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. Whatever it is he reveals to us in that situation exceeds the suffering and the affliction that has come to bring us to that point. Now, listen, this is very careful. This is very important. Only in embracing that perspective. Okay? What perspective? The perspective that God works it all. And that in working this, he's going to reveal himself. And in revealing himself, he's going to give me what I need to get through this in abundance. So, look, instead of looking at the conflict as a posture of lack, we can look at that as a posture of, I'm going to get more God. I'm going to experience more of God. But it's only from that perspective can I adhere to Ephesians 5.20 and 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It's only in that perspective can I 
give thanks in everything and give thanks for everything. Once I see that God's in this, God hasn't abandoned me, God is working this to reveal his glory and transform me to the image of his son, then I can thank God for this. But as long as I have my finite perspective that's all about me and all about my comfort, I will never give thanks. It don't make any sense. It just don't make any sense to thank God for that. No, it does not from a finite perspective. But from a heavenly perspective, it makes total sense. Don't you want to thank God for everything he's doing? Don't you want to do that? Don't you want to, God, I thank you for doing that. That's what he's talking about. In everything, give thanks. For everything, give thanks. That doesn't mean this is a a good thing in itself. That this thing happened to me was bad, it was hurtful, It somebody sinned against me, it doesn't mean there was anything good about that. But what's good is God's going to take that and work that for good and reveal himself in it, and that's going to change me into the image of his son. And that's good. That's good. God, thank you for doing this. Thank you that you let me go through this. I want to ask people sometime, just what do you think would happen if you just hauled off and thanked God? What, 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 do, you, what do you think? you think your head will explode? or you, What do you think will happen? Just, God, thank you. I don't feel like it. Didn't say feel it. Didn't say feel thankful. Said give thanks. That's a choice. But only in this perspective can I do that and have freedom. God, thank you for this difficult time because you're going to reveal yourself to me in a way I never thought possible. And you couldn't do it without this. So thank you for doing it. Well, that all sounds good for the dumb things I do. But what about the things that people do to me? that I didn't have any control over. You're asking me to thank God for that? Next, you're going to be asking me to thank God for that person. Yeah. Let's do it now and avoid the rush. Okay? Well, but it happened to me. Let me tell you about this guy named Joseph. He was the youngest of his brothers. They didn't like him. They were jealous of him. They came up with this plot and said, <laughs> let's sell him. Wish I'd have thought of that when I was little with Dean. Let's sell him. Let's just get rid of him. So they sold him to this pagan king. Ended up in a dungeon. With the favor of God, he ended up as a right-hand man to the king. And he was in a position to 
actually save all of his family because of where he was. And finally, they all got back together. And the brother says, oh, man, we, we did a terrible thing to you. We, we did this, and, you know, and now you're going to judge us. You're going to kill us for that. You're going to reject us for what we did to you. And listen to what Joseph said. Do not be afraid, for I am in God's place. How did he get to God's place? Well, in the natural, he got to God's place because his wicked brother sold him to a slave. That was sin. They sinned against Joseph, and he ended up exactly where God wanted him. Listen to what he says. It gets better. Do not be afraid, for I am in God's place. As for you, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good. Why? Because God works all things together to good for those who love him. You meant it for evil against me. God meant it for good. In order to bring about this present result to preserve many people. I could not be in a position today, he says, to preserve my family, to preserve this nation if you hadn't sinned against God and sinned against me and made me go in this circumstance, I could never be where I am today. I love that. You you thought you were going to ruin me, but God put me right where I needed to be to do right what he wanted me to do. That glory may be expressed. Well, let me just say this. That glory will be expressed. Okay, let me, let me, I'm in my circumstance, I'm in my situation, I'm in my affliction, I'm in my discomfort, I'm in my broken relationship, I'm in all of this pain, I'm in all of this difficult. Now, let me say this. The glory of God will be revealed in that circumstance in exactly the way you need for the circumstance. Don't think you know what that is. Oh, God, I need this. I need that. I need, no, you need God. You need a revelation of him. And it may be a revelation you've never had before. You know, we, 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 we get in those situations and we say, okay, where's that, where's that, where's that verse about suffering? Where's that stuff about, about, where's that conflict? Where's that, and, you know, and we get that verse, okay, God, you got to do this. There's no encounter with God. There's no revelation. There's just me manipulating Scripture, looking for that magic formula to get God to do something. The revelation that God gives me in my circumstance will be exactly what I need in that circumstance. It may be comfort. It may be encouragement, maybe healing, maybe gentleness, maybe faith, maybe peace, maybe self-control, maybe patience, maybe hope, maybe love. And then here's the cool thing. It never stops with you. It never stops with you. You know, we, we talk about sharing Jesus. 
to most people go, share what? I ain't got nothing to share. I know the facts of the story, but I don't have anything to share. I don't have anything today that I have received from Jesus that I can share with someone that needs what I've got. They know the story. That's because we live in that intellectual view of our relationship with Christ. Let me read something to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Look in verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. Woohoo! He comforts me in all my affliction. I have that revelation of him. There's comfort in it. But now watch who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. With what? With the comfort with which we receive from God. So here's how it works. I get in this situation, this tumultuous situation. God reveals something of himself to me. In this situation, there was affliction, there was suffering. God revealed himself as comfort. And Paul says, God revealed himself as comfort to me, first to comfort me, and then that I can take the comfort that he gave me for my distress and bring to Justin and share to him in his distress. But if I haven't gotten anything from him, I got nothing to give. I can tell him, suck it up, Justin. Get over it. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Plan A, B, C, you know, whatever. Just more information. But when I can share with him the life of that comfort that God has given me. Now, boy, it it gets worse or better, whichever you want to look at it here. It says, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. Abundant means I got more than plenty. Okay? Here I was afflicted. God came and comforted me with more comfort than I needed. What do I do with the excess? Give it away. Give it away. Give the comfort that the Lord gave me. It doesn't stop with me. We're kind of like that slogan, we get all we can, can all we get, sit on the lid and poison the rest. I got mine, you get yours. He says, no, I gave you that, and I gave you more than you needed so that you would have enough to give away to somebody else. But it was life. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. All right, here it comes. If we are afflicted, okay, Michael Paul, if you are afflicted, why do you think that happens? 
If you are afflicted, watch what he says. Michael Paul, if you are afflicted, Chuck, it is for your comfort. Now, don't take that for what we think it means. Boy, I'm glad you're in a deep hole over there, man. That's not what you talk about. Read again. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. For if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Why does God allow me to go through suffering? He says, it's for your comfort. Now, I'll tell you something. I'm going to have to go home and wait a while before I sign up for that. Honestly, you mean, God, you're going to allow me to go through affliction in order to give me something to comfort somebody? I don't even like that person. Or they deserve theirs. They did that to themselves. Let them stew in it. Doesn't stop with me, he says. I come to you in your affliction, and I give you a revelation of me. And that revelation of me, as you behold that glory, changes you into the image of my son. And I gave you more than you needed in order that you would have something to give to somebody else that is being afflicted. That's awesome. That is the heart of the Father. You want to know a question that God's eager to answer? What do you want to be to me in this situation? Do you want to be comfort to me? Do you want to be peace? Don't. It's not a multiple choice, okay? It's not a cafeteria where you pick and choose. It's just go to him with an open heart and say, God, what do you want to be to me in this circumstance? And if he doesn't answer, what do you do? You go back and ask again. If he doesn't answer, you go back and answer again. Knock, keep on knocking. Seek, keep on seeking. Ask, keep on asking. God, what do you want to be to me in this circumstance? And look for the revelation of himself that brings what I need to be an expression of him in my circumstance and in my situation. Okay? Why? To conform me to the image of his son. What do you want to be to me in this circumstance? All right? And we're going to pray. Now, my question is, what phrase or verse or word stood out to you this morning? Right? Father, wow. I thank you that you have a purpose for me that extends beyond my demands and that it extends beyond my feelings. 
and it extends beyond my understanding. And it finds its root in the heavenlies, in your purpose to conform me to the image of your son. And I thank you that you are actively about revealing your glory to us. We can behold that and be changed from glory to glory. And I thank you that when you provide it for us, it is in abundance. We have enough to give to someone else that's being afflicted, whatever it is. Thank you for your active involvement in our life, that you literally take everything, everything, work it to good to conform us to the image of your son. Thank you for that. Quicken that revelation in our heart that with every circumstance comes an expression of your glory that we can behold and find. Help us to look for it. Bless you for being so good to us today. Jesus' name, amen. All right, what stood out? Any phrase or, or statement or verse or you got a question? Anybody? Michael Paul, come here and grab this thing for me. See if anybody, well, let's see if anybody wants it. Anybody need a microphone? Oh, here we go. Other end, buddy. Chugga, lugga, lugga. So I found something interesting early on. You were talking about Jeremiah and essentially God wanting the captors, right? The captors to, I don't know, prosper or uh, they, why? <laughs> First of all, um, no, it's. I sound so loud. Hey, Zoomers. <laughs> um, so I kind of thought about, say, my job, trying to make it personal. I have a boss. You know, we don't really, it's she's a boss. And so um, I understand praying for a person but like an institution in a person or that's just odd. And I don't know that the cat, like did the captors get saved? You know, why are we praying for them? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the captor, no, Jeremiah, the captors that took Israel and God said, no, Jeremiah, I'm not. It's not a quickie. It's Let me give you a possibility. Okay? God used that nation to refine Israel. There had to be a nation in order for God to use to refine Israel. That nation had to exist as long as God needed it to exist to refine Israel. So that's why we prayed for them. God, you're using them to work in me. And when you're through working in me with them, they're over. 
but it's not up to me to say, you guys are over. God raises and directs the heart of the king, lifts authority as he wants, and sometimes he does that for us, to conform us. And our response is to submit to the Father's hand in that instead of thinking we know what the Father wants to do and resisting it or challenging it. Does that make any sense? God's doing something in them, in me. And so, and, and, and here's the thing about it. Most of us draw salaries from lost bosses. You want them to lose their business? God uses it to work in us. And we pray for the prosperity and we submit to the Father and be the servant God wants us to be in that circumstance that they get blessed and that they prosper. Okay? Anyone else? Where do you go? Oh, I got, oh. I got something. <laughs> I, something stood out to me that I'd never seen before that I thought was really cool that you, that you read. And for just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. That's right. And I'd never, I'd never seen that before, where the way you put it about how it, it just overflows. We have it in, in such great abundance. That's and right. that... That really resonated in my heart. That's good. that is just so cool. That's I good. thank you, thank you for that. That's good. We kind of we get this feeling sometimes. I only got so much. I mean, I can only comfort so many people, okay? Because I only got so much comfort. And God says, when you let me comfort you, it's an abundance of a comfort that you can give away. The question that you want us to ask the Lord. I never thought of it that way because, uh, you know, some of you people don't know, but uh, the relationship I had with my older daughter, that was a tough time for me Mm -hmm. and uh, trying to fix it, Mm -hmm. trying to jump through hoops, whatever, didn't Mm -hmm. work. And it wasn't until I really gave it to the Lord Mm -hmm. and let God work in both of us, Mm -hmm. not just me, Praying for her to change, mm-hmm. but in both of us, that mm-hmm. the situation took mm-hmm. a turn. Well, now my brother is going through that with his four kids, not talking to him. And he's been reaching out to me, and I just was, Lord, you know, how do I talk to him to get him through this? And uh, so that question really uh, mm-hmm. spoke to me. Because I don't want to say or do or anything wrong that's not his will or his perspective in this situation. Uh, I'll be seeing him hopefully in a week or two. And so keep me in prayer because I know this is hard for him. And it's so hard mm-hmm. to walk him through what I went through and, and have the results that I did. Because God can work differently through him and his kids than he did with me. So, just keep us in prayer. Good. Thank you. All right, somebody, we're here. Another thing, Laura, I'm thinking about, 
What is it Scripture says leads to repentance? The goodness of God. Do I think that an employee that's quiet and gentle and gracious with a good attitude is going to have more influence on my employer than an employee who's always griping, grumbling, criticizing? It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Hey, Cindy, what about 2 Corinthians 1, 10? He rescued us from so great a threat of death and will continue to rescue us. On him we have set our hope. And he will again rescue us from danger and draw us near. While you are helping us by your prayers and and talking to the other brothers. That's good. That's good. My, who, Paul? What stood out to me when you said, here's my, why suffering? We asked why, why the suffering? And you said, what if he's already explained it? (laughs) What if he's really, he's made known the truth to us? And so lots of times I know with my kids growing up, they would ask why and it, they really didn't want the truth. They just wanted to change the situation. That's right. They wanted what the situation was. That's right. And so to what degree, God, are you going to allow us to suffer? How far does this apply? Mm-hmm. You know, this only applies to this degree, but it, it applies to all degrees. Yes. No matter what, we can either embrace the truth that he really does work this out to express himself in us and through us and to comfort others. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, oh, the grace comes. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're free, not necessarily from the outward suffering, but we're free from the inward torment. That's right. That's and right. Uh, he's already explained it to us, so embrace the truth. That's right. And see, we can gripe and complain and grumble and, you know, and whine and moan. And, but sometimes you have to ask Dr. Phil's question. How's that working for you? That change in your situation? It's changing you into something you really don't want to be. Okay, I'm trying to rephrase it in a way that I can understand. Tell me if this is right. My affliction, my suffering, pain that I might have gone through in the past, say, eight years ago, given me the ability to love on and serve and help Haley in her situation now. Is that right? That's it. And here's why. Let me just say why. Because God revealed himself to you in your situation, and you had something beside just your experience and just your intellect Mm -hmm. to offer because it was real to you. That's exactly Mm -hmm. why. It's a perfect picture of it. All right. Can I just can I just add to that? Yeah. God desires a nation of priests. Mm-hmm. Someone that will comfort others. Mm-hmm. It's his heart that he would have a people for himself to minister to the nations. That's exactly right. All right. Uh, any announcements? Oh, you're dismissed.